Welcome to another conversation with my future skills, the podcast where I talk with interesting people about what skills we have and what skills we need to have to be present in the future. In this episode, I talk to Anne Welsh. Anne is a talented and versatile educator who enjoys working with learners of all ages to develop vital skills for realizing their dreams and achieving success in life. Throughout her extensive career in education, Anne has guided learners in developing and cultivating self-motivation, growth mindset, and a better understanding of who they are as learners. This is why this episode is all about growth mindset. Not in a hustle way, though, but with a good portion of self-awareness and also self-reflection. We're talking about growth as an ongoing process and about goal setting. We also get to talk about ChatGPT in a teaching environment and the future of educating relating to that. And she even gets to change my view on SMART goals, which I consider a very big deal. So I hope you enjoy the conversation just as much as I did. Here's Anne on growth. If you're invited to a party and somebody at that party asks you, what is it you do all day? What do you answer them? I help young adults and teenagers go from dreaming to achieving those dreams. And I do that through a variety of ways, but that's the, that's the main idea is that I want to give teenagers and young adults the tools that they need to experience what they consider success. Which just off the bat starts with an interesting question because what is success? I believe that success is really personal, that for some people, success is a, building a strong religious life for themselves. For other people, it's being successful by earning enough money to be able to support themselves and or a family or to live the lifestyle that they want to live. For others, it's to be able to do the kind of work that they're most passionate about. For others, it's that they want to create and learn how to survive and create at the same time. So uh, success is, there's no way that I could define it. It's all about what the person views as success I also believe that that changes a bit over time. Things that we value at one point in our in our lives as we grow older and learn more about the things that we're pursuing, and then it may change a little bit. Yeah. There's not that one, first of all, not that one size fits all definition right. of success and then not the one size fits me all my life definition. I had very different meanings of success when I was a child. Not having my my castle in the sand being destroyed, one of them. Right now I might have other goals or <laughs> other meanings of success. <laughs> so you just said in, in at the beginning that what you're doing is you're helping people getting from dreaming to achieving. How would you define those two words? 
what's dreaming and what's achieving, especially in, in correlation with each other. And I, I do want to add that sometimes people aren't even sure how to dream. They're not sure how to think about what their wishes and hopes and desires are. And so a big part of all of this is self-awareness and really kind of digging into each person and what they want, what they need, who they are, what they value. Um, so dreaming, I would say, is coming up with things that you want to have for yourself that could be things that you want to obtain that are outside of you, or that could be things that you envision for yourself from within. Regardless of which it is, they're, they're dreams because we're not quite sure exactly how to get there. So dreams are, in, this, in some ways, this destination, this vision of what could be. And, and then the achieving part is the growth in how to navigate this world in order to reach our dreams. I do this keeping in mind the importance of a growth mindset, because as you're going in the direction of one dream, you may say, oh, this dream is a more um, enjoyable fit for me or a more fulfilling fit for me or, you know, or, oh, I, you know, our paths change and we have to give ourselves permission to just learn and grow from those changes. Rather than saying, oh, well, you know, I wanted to be a doctor and I didn't make it, so I'm a failure. Interesting example that you made up there, because especially take the doctor that you just mentioned. It's, it's a prestigious thing that some people only learn or some people only go to medical school because of that prestige that is connected mm -hmm. to it, right? Yeah. Um, and you said at some point, that success for you has those religious vibes to it, which I like the term that you use there. Um, would you say that now let me rephrase that, aren't we? Um, because I was just trying to take the syntax apart of what you said. The, the dreaming to achieving, meaning you have the goal and vision, but you need to take the path to get there. Um, it's basically turning it around. So you... Yeah. From the dreaming to achieving, you start with the dreaming first. But to get there, you have to turn it around and have to, you have to grow first before you can reach your goal. Yeah. Um, That's the teacher in me. It's kind of a backwards design approach where, mm -hmm. you know, you need to know what you want the end result to be in order to figure out 
how to plan the student's coursework, for example, or, you know. How do you get people to grow in a certain direction? How can you, or how do you especially, um, or how, how are you a part of that process? Right now, I'm a part of the process as a teacher. So I have a course that I, it's technically an English course, but I've thrown in the dreamer to achiever process so that I've had the students do this really deep self-reflection. What are my skills? What are my strengths? What are my struggles? What do I value? Who am I? I The very first days of school, I have students write an essay on who am I? And they can answer that any way they want to. And it's always so wonderful to see what they say. And then at the end of the school year, I have them do the same essay and then they compare them and uh, they can usually see a lot of growth. But then I look at different things that students need in order to achieve. So that growth mindset piece is really important. So we talk about growth mindset all the time. Uh, we talk about setting those SMART goals. And, um, I know that those, that SMART is very widely used and some people when they hear it say oh my goodness smart goals you know but um, smart goals can be a really useful tool to help students know um, one how to plan so they're taking the big dream and they're breaking it into smaller pieces and starting to look at it as steps but they're also using it to develop that growth mindset because setting goals, uh, and I mean to it every week, um, setting goals for the week and then coming to the next week and, you know, having to say, yeah, I, I didn't reach this goal. You know, at first they were really embarrassed and they didn't want to admit that they hadn't reached this goal that they had set for themselves. And, you know, now they'll come back and they'll say, I didn't reach this school because I got really sick and I need to honor the fact that I had COVID this week and that interfered with me getting my work done. And they're not embarrassed or ashamed and they're not looking at it, you know, okay, so maybe in case I get sick, I need to set a longer time frame to accomplish, you know, goals or, you know, just chalking up to being sick. Sometimes they say, you know, I, I set this goal and I didn't achieve it because it didn't feel right. There's something wrong with the school and help me look at it, you know. And so then we'll talk about the goal and see if we can get to another goal that feels like it's moving in the right direction. And so it starts students thinking about each day, each week, the month, their year their lives as an iterative process where they are always moving somewhere you know um that there really is if there's that self-reflection there's really no stagnation even if you don't feel that you're progressing towards a certain dream 
um, that self-reflection is the movement. Additionally, SMART goals help students um, to be able to accurately look at data about what's going on. So um, I've had students who have said, you know, I um, I stink at math. <laughs> I was going to use another word. Sorry. Um, I stink at math. I'm a horrible at math. You know, well, what would it mean to be good at math? What does that look like? What does, how does that feel? You know, so they start defining a good math student. And then you can ask them, do you do this? Do you do this? You know, and they'll be like, yes, I do that. And they do that. But I don't do this. Well, let's see if we can work on that. Let's set a goal. And then they can see their progress in becoming what and who they want to be. That's mm. interesting because I think from my personal standpoint, this is a very personal view. Nobody has ever explained smart goals in that way to me before. Because I want to say five minutes ago, I was exactly one of those people that you talked about who were like, what, smart belt? Okay, get away with that. I was also going to use another word there, but <laughs> um, leave me alone with all that bullshit. It's like, ugh. because also I made the experience a lot that smart goals are kind of used to be that that accountability program that people can judge me on without understanding my process behind it, um, without understanding how, how I plan and reach my goals, which isn't necessarily the smart way. As I said, I'm, I'm not a big fan of it. I wasn't five minutes ago. Um, and I think nobody has ever, first of all, explained it to me like that, talked to me about it like you just did, um, and also looked at it from that aspect. I have the feeling that smart goals are always that quick fix to accountability, but nobody takes the time to get into how to actually set it up. Um, so thank you for that. You're welcome. I, and I really think that the accountability is with ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I'm teaching the students to be accountable to themselves, but also to look at each success or wrong turn or, you know, what they would call as a, or mistakes or a quote failure as an opportunity for growth. Right. And then the, the SMART goals become meaningful. So if you've got SMART goals, another um, common one for accountability are OKRs. And um, those are usually set by other people outside of ourselves. And it's to make sure you've done what you've said you're going to do. And, and the purpose doesn't feel good to us. It's not about our growth. It's about our production. 
and our production of things in the way that other people want them. And so for me, the setting goals is about the personal growth. And there are two things to that. On the one hand, how you just explained that and picking up on the quote-unquote failure that you mentioned, how it feels like what you just said is that the students themselves take the shame part out of the failure. They're like, okay, I didn't reach my goal this week. Why didn't I reach that? There's more of a curious um, exploratory approach to it rather than, oh my God, I didn't finish to do what I wanted to do. Uh, I'm a failure. Um, the, The language of it seems to be a different one. It is very much so. And language does play a huge part in growth mindset. Um, you know, they haven't completed it. Well, they haven't completed it yet. Just adding yet to it makes it still feel possible. It's not final. It's not, it's not over and done with. What can we learn from it? Students often, though, require someone outside of them to really be supportive on that journey because they they need the modeling from everybody around them from from parents adults friends you know they they don't do something that they thought they were going to do what can we learn from that you know instead of well I was depending on you and, you know, you've let me down. And there is a time and place for that if it's something serious, like you were supposed to watch your younger sister and, you know, she, but there's still something to learn there, you know? So I'm I'm not saying that um, parenting and, and teaching right from wrong should go out the door, uh, but it really needs to be blended with that And what can we do to prevent that from happening in the future if it was something really bad that happened? Which brings me to the second point that um, I just mentioned. Well, I didn't mention it yet. I said there were two points. (laughs) Um, Because I was wondering what your opinion is. It's very easy to see growth in hindsight. As you said, like you have a thing, you have status quo at the beginning, you have a status quo at the end, you look at the transition and you see the difference. But how would you say, or is it really possible to follow growth while you're in it or even to plan for it? Is that, I'm I'm just thinking, well, we just passed the um, new year and then everybody's uh, in that I want to learn this and I want to grow in that area and I want to do I want to be better in this can you really follow up on that while you're in the process so I think that you can to some extent and there are certainly things that are harder to notice or or see or track as you go along um with respect to the new years and new year's resolutions 
90% of all New Year's resolutions fail by the end of January and then an even larger percent by the end of March. So there really has to be all those structures and pieces supporting them. Uh, there was something that you said that uh, that led me to think about um, you can certainly set up a, um, I call it setting the stage, you know, put pieces in place to make things possible or to give you the most success. In terms of measuring and being able to see your progress in the moment, the only way that I know how to do that is through journaling or setting goals and reflecting on those goals and seeing the growth in, in the goals as you achieve them. And even as you achieve one day of them, because uh, I'm trying to do cardio every day. So day one, I do cardio. I've taken a step in that direction towards my larger goal of being more healthy. Day two, I do the cardio. Yes, I am two steps closer, you know. Day three, I do the cardio. Day four, I just wasn't feeling it. I didn't do the cardio. So the growth mindset piece comes in. But wait a minute. I did three days in a row. That was more than I did last week. It, you know, so you didn't <laughs> do it every day. but you're seeing some progress and sometimes you need to look at that progress over time. So say I have two, three weeks in a row that um, I didn't do as well as I wanted to. A, I'm looking at that and trying to figure out what I can do, you know, differently to set myself up for success. But I'm also looking at, okay, but in the last few weeks, you know, I've done more than I had when I set the goal. So there's still growth. And it's it's this whole idea that sometimes we can say, oh, well, you know, I missed a day. So it's, I've blown it. The goal is I just, you know, forget it. I can't do it. You know, and then I'm worthless. I'm not enough. I'm a failure. All those thoughts go through our minds. Um, but if we could just look at, you know, I didn't do it that one day. Oh, well, is there a better time of day to do this? Have I scheduled it for a time of day? Would that help? Would, you know. I was just wondering also from, from what you said, you were talking about, okay, how can I make that? How can I continue meeting my goal? I was wondering if the reflection itself isn't the actual growth process. And my thought comes from, take the 90% of people of New Year's resolution that never actually make it past January, um, RIP. <laughs> um, Most of those resolutions, if we're honest with ourselves, are a thing that we just 
arbitrarily set. Because in that moment, it might feel okay and we're just going to get through. And then we notice, nah, I'm not really up for the task. I don't really want to. I don't really, like, say, I don't really want to get up every morning at 7 to do sports. Um, technically, that means I missed my goal, right? But if you if you look at it from a from a learner's mindset to say, okay, but what did I learn out of the process? Yeah. Even if I didn't meet my goal. Yeah. Now I know that maybe I'm not good at sports at seven o'clock in the morning. I might rather do it seven o'clock in the evening. Um So I wonder what the actual growth process is. Because I, I have a feeling sometimes we, we connect growth with meeting a goal. Yeah, and there's where we get to the unmeasurable pieces mm-hmm. or pieces that aren't as easily measurable. I don't know if there's any scientific tools that can <laughs> measure this, but... Um, I wholeheartedly agree with you that just growing in your ability to self-reflect is a huge skill that that grows and develops throughout that whole process. Um, there are a lot of other skill, like, skills as well, um, developing a growth mindset you could keep data on how many, you know, times you negative self-talk throughout the day and then, you know, how many times you look at things in a curious or investigative way. But that would be a pain in the neck for people to do. And if you're really, you know, interested in that data, go ahead and do it, you know, or you know, do a scientific study on it. But really, you know, every time you stop yourself from that negative self-talk and you look at things curiously, that's a step of growth. So every time you um oh, there's so many ways you can grow that aren't measurable. I it, so um self-advocacy at just um asking for the things that you need uh there's subtler skills like time management um effective communication with others you know these all may be things that you're developing in order to grow and to achieve your dreams but they aren't as easily measured and those are the ones that you kind of like all of a sudden you say, oh, wow, I used to think about this this way, you know, and you notice that there's a change, but that change can sometimes be so gradual that you're not aware that it's even happening. You just made a, a movement with your hand, although it just kind of looked like a wave, it tended to go upwards which kind of fits with the definition of growth, right? Growth is always upwards. Does it have to be? I wonder, can't growth be 
cutting something away, letting go of things, being lighter, being smaller, quote unquote. It also could be an outward motion mm. mm-hmm. or an inward motion. Yeah. I, you know, typically we think of growth as growing because we think of our bodies as they grow in height. And uh, mine was wavy because I'm way more concerned about the trajectory going in the direction, whether that's outward or inward or up or down, um, than it being a straight line to get there. Yeah, that is a myth in the first place. Yeah. Um, that we should get rid of. It it's it's always ups and downs, right? Yeah. Um, but we tend to, yeah, just just the meaning of the word growth is always some definition and um or some variation of higher, further, faster. Um oh my gosh, I have experienced growth. In slowing down, in being more in the moment. Right. So, and I was talking about that recently, also for an episode on this podcast about the process of learning and learning knowledge in, in particular. And I'm Gonna, I, I hope I will make a connection when I'm done explaining that and explaining the situation. Because um, we were talking about how there's a tendency to get the knowledge now perfectly presented, quickly snackable. Just a few weeks ago, um, the the uh, crypto exchange FTX went down, and then their founder Sam Bankman-Fried became fairly popular. And he once famously said, uh, "He doesn't read books because he doesn't trust people who can't write a six-paragraph pay- blog post, who can't condense their information in that a uh, that short format." And I'm paraphrasing here; I don't know his exact words, but basically that was what he was saying. And Coming back to the knowledge, it completely ignores the process of how we take knowledge. There's that quick snackable, I read something, now I have knowledge. There's no working with the knowledge. There's no, no time for processing the knowledge. There's no time for coming up with new ideas, for example. So coming back to the greatest um, and the higher, further, faster, the quicker we reach goals and we want to reach goals, it's exactly the same mechanism. There's no no time to process what's happening. There's no time to take that in. Um, as you just said, the, the biggest growth that you did, you had when you just sat down and slowed down a bit, right? Um, I wonder if we're overdoing the higher, further, faster a bit. Sometimes, especially in that regard, I'm very concerned about the higher, faster, <laughs> higher, better, 
or, the, or whatever. Different. I think there are a number of um, deviations from that. I'm concerned about the faster part of it. Uh, but in terms of setting goals, you set a goal and you achieve it. You set a goal and you achieve it. You set, So say the trajectory is going this way and you set a goal and you set a goal and you set a goal and you say, well, these, if you keep achieving these without any effort or struggle or time to process them, you already have this. Like why? So then the reflection and the growth or the growth is, if I could do it, why didn't I? If I already had everything in place, everything that I needed, if it was so easy that it went fast, Why didn't I make that happen before? What got in my way? Was it me? Was it some story that I've told myself? Was it some story other people were telling me? Was it fear? Was it anxiety? Was it sorrow? Was it, you know, whatever? Um, so in terms of knowledge, I, it's, I, Self-awareness to me is more than knowledge because you are working with it and using it and understanding it in very meaningful ways. Whereas knowledge coming fast just in and of itself, I'm really concerned that we're not learning how to think about the knowledge. Mm -hmm. Think of social media and, you know, mm -hmm. kids that are just looking at the social media and that's their news source. They're not being taught how to think critically about whether it's a reliable source, what this means that they're saying what they're saying in light of what other people are saying about the subject. Um, that's what really concerns me is mm -hmm. that that um, kids and people aren't stopping and thinking about the knowledge that they're gaining. There's no reflection on it because there's no time for it. Right. Um, and I'm not even blaming people to say they don't sit down and take the time. It's just like, as you said, social media, if you scroll through it, like how much time do you spend, like take Instagram. How much time do you actually spend on looking at a video or uh, looking at a photo, reading at something that's written on a photo? You're like scrolling through it. Yeah. The moment you've, you've realized what you've read, you've already three pictures further, right? Yeah. Um, so there's no engagement. I would say there's no engagement and I would say there's actually no, no time, um, included in the design of those pages, of those networks, whatever. It is input dumping on people, but please don't give them time to to reflect on that because that might in the end make them leave our, our page and we don't want that. Um, 
because as much as they're info dumping, people want the info taking. Yes. Where does that come from? When when did we start just taking in, and I like how you said that taking the info. Um it's because it has sometimes it has something off. I take that info and put it on a shelf and it lies there and collects the dust. Yeah. Um, there's not working with the info. When, when did we, or why did we start that? How far back do you want to go? <laughs> I will open for anything. <laughs> I, you know, I think that, um, every child since as far back maybe as recorded history has always depended on their parents to tell them what's what and then their own experiences but if a parent believes something that isn't necessarily true um then that the child has taken the information and uh, and doesn't think about it because he just, the child, he or she trusts the source. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then as we started to get more and more sources, and this is just my opinion, I've actually never thought about this before. So this is kind of exciting. Uh, but as there became more and more places to get information, now you're getting information from schools, you trust the teacher, you're getting information from doctors, trust the doctors, you know, and, and I think there was this implicit trust because those other people, especially people in professional um, positions, knew better. And they know way more than I do. So, of course, this is what we should do or what we should think or what we should believe. And then information started coming faster and faster. So you've got newspapers that are reporting about things and people and that, you know, you've never could have imagined. And now it's happening and you're reading about it, you know, a week later, a month later. This is really cool. You know, it's like it just happened. And then there's TV. And you're finding out, you know, as breaking news in the moment that something, you know, major is happening. And, you know, I think that it's exciting to get the information faster. I bet there are studies that show that it's a dopamine release in your brains to get information, especially if it's interesting so-and-so did what, you know? <laughs> it's, it, 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 but I think we've always been takers of information and hungered for information, in, including for, in biblical perspectives, uh, for people who are Christians, as soon as Adam and Eve took the bite of the first apple, you know, they wanted that knowledge. They wanted that wisdom you know bring it on taking i i just i think it's who we are as people and how we're wired is to want that information now how do we get ourselves to stop and think as it's coming so fast 
now faster than ever. And I, again, I'm going to say for the whole world, <laughs> I think chat GPT could be a really incredible learning support and tool. I see many possibilities, but it also gives information just like that, that is not accessible through other means. And because of that, I worry that students, people are not going to think about the information. They just take it. And yeah, that's what I read. Well, it was on Facebook. It must be true. <laughs> the internet said, so it must be true. Yeah. And it's yep. that. Yeah, maybe there's really something with the dopamine hit because what is fairly much known is, and well, I couldn't cite a study now, but I know they're out there, um, about news cycles, how news cycles became more and more quicker, um, more and more faster, because like just by the name of their, their work, producing news, it has to something it has to happen something new and novel because otherwise it isn't news, right? So we gotta look for something that is new and interesting and exciting. If that is good or bad, let's leave that aside for a moment. Um mostly it's bad because it sells better. <laughs> um and that happened well as you said with the with the um innovation of newspapers that more and more came up um newspapers if you, if you look into like the archives newspapers back then didn't look much more different than they look today from the from the topics they covered because of course the specifics are different um but the, the general what they cover how they cover didn't necessarily change much and now you have the internet which gives you like which lowers the entrance barrier because newspapers had to be printed. They had to be distributed. They were still timed leaving. Um, if you didn't have a newspaper, you didn't get the information other than maybe small talk on the street. But that takes time. Now you have the internet where you as a publisher click a button and it's out in the whole world basically in the same time, latency leave aside um and now you have chat gpt which takes all that knowledge that's out there and condenses it because what is chat gpt it's basically a a model that is trained with what is written on the internet so it takes all well probably not all but a good part of what is out there in the internet on servers around the world and tries to compose something that answers your question from all the knowledge that's in the internet. Um, on the one hand, that makes the job of Googling way easier, which is probably why the alarm bells at Google go on right now, because with, like, let's be honest, Searching something of Google has become a real pain because you have you, you can't use search results from the first page because they're all either ads or yeah. optimized by zero and basically they're just clickbaits or yeah. listicles. 
like actually useful search results, you, you have to dig really deep into Google. Um, so having chat GPT and saying like, okay, this is what's out there on the internet in a condensed version, that really helps a lot. But on the other side, I think we're coming back to the getting knowledge part. It's, it's there. So why not believe it? Why not take it as it is without questioning it? Because it's quick. It's at my fingertips. It's ready for me to snack. Um, and why not do that? so. And, and it makes sense. Cycle, it makes sense. True. It's, it's kind of interesting to think about how when newspapers were the big deal, okay, newspapers were held to a really high standard, except for tabloids, but, you know, newspapers were held to a high standard of checking their sources, reporting only the news that is true, you know, and, and we have come so far away from that with anybody being able to say anything. I chat GPT, what are your sources? <laughs> you know, I've asked it that question. I can't get a list of sources. Um, and just a quick side note, because what you just made me think about is, because you just made up, and, and that's completely correct, you made up the distinction between like serious newspapers and tabloids. But I have a feeling right now, because it's both printed on paper and we have the internet, they both fall in the same category of it's on paper, so it must be serious or, or uh, it does have a certain standard to it. When Sometimes when you read it like tablet, I'm like, okay, are you kidding me here? So, but the 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 view and the the um, distinction between different mediums and the st distinction between subcategories and mediums has completely shifted. Yeah, it's yeah. on paper, so it must be something serious, and people had time to research it, or when sometimes. They're not even interested in researching it. And I don't know if there are algorithms in chat GPT that look at different sources and give them a higher value. And if that's true, then it could be easily programmed to present um, points of view that share a certain perspective only or that don't contradict a perspective but i just yeah there's so much i really don't want to um put across this you know beware of chat gpt kind of vibe because um i've used it and kind of played around with it and found some really helpful things that it can do for educators I was working on a book that my students wanted to read that I've read, but I don't have a lot of time to really think about what I'm going to do with it. And I typed the name of the book in and I said, what are some great project-based learning activities? And it gave me some great ones. And I definitely 
would have come up with most of them. But it happened like that. I didn't have to, I didn't have to create it. I could just look at it and evaluate it, you know? That could be really helpful. I've heard on podcasts that um, it's a great tool for uh, students researching different opinions on something. You know, they could say, you know, present the arguments for this and then against that same thing. And then you would have two different things, you know, and then, okay, to the student, so what's your thinking now that you've read those opposing views? You know, what's your thinking on this and why? So you being a teacher from a teacher's perspective, what do you think of some of the things that I read after the, the uh, publication of ChatGPT? where teachers are like, okay, now our job is basically impossible because how would we judge if a pupil actually voted himself or if uh, she just copied ChatGPT or if he really put any effort into it? How do you see that? I see it as an opportunity to take a look at how we're assessing what. If we are asking a student to write a paper, we can ask them to do it in class where we can see what's going on. If we're testing for a specific skill, can they use this literary device, for example? Then have them demonstrate it in the moment. Don't send it home for homework. For homework send home some of the critical analysis pieces, things that chat GPT can help with, but can't do. You know, um, so create a PowerPoint presentation on something, you know, and say they go home and they say, Hey, chat GPT, and I, I don't know if chat GPT can come up with PowerPoint presentations, but at any rate. They, but the they, outline for sure? The outline for sure. But the student has to come in and present it. And I don't know a rubric out there for PowerPoint presentations that doesn't have, can the student answer discussion questions on it, you know? I have a huge research paper that I give students to do well, a research project on um, different careers that they might be interested in. And this year for that, I'm going to say you need to have such and such number of sources. Maybe I say uh, you have to have five sources, one of which can be chat GPT. Mm hmm. So I, you know, I really think, I think that teachers that are worried about it are really worried because everything happens so fast, you know, nobody, it's kind of like a, a, a whiplash feeling and I liken it to, and this is not my original idea of just putting that out there. I think it was AJ Giuliani or John Spencer was likening it to. Um, 
the idea of the calculators in the 70s in America, you know, they were banned. You couldn't use a calculator in school because how are the kids going to be able to learn how to do those math facts? Well, we, we have students who can do algebra. They can do calculus. They can, but they can do it because they have the tool of the calculator on their phone. Um, they're not as strong in some of those mathematical calculations, but they understand the algebra and the geometry and the trig and, and all of that. So do we hold them back because they're bad at memorizing facts or um, being able to calculate quickly in their heads? Right. Jokes on all my teachers who said I'd never have a calculator with me all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll never have chat GPT with you all the time. I would give it another two years. Yeah, I think there's a lot of potential and that teachers have to, right now, think very creatively and boldly. And, I mean, the reality is it's free. Uh, and it's here. So we can either try to fight it. There are schools in New York who have completely banned it. You can't stop a kid from going home. We went, you know, how I, yeah. <laughs> so that, there's no way you can stop it altogether. So how are we going to um, face this? It's almost like we just stumbled. You know, we got caught off guard. And so instead of looking at this from a place of fear or from a place of failure, we can look at it as an opportunity to grow and embrace new ideas and new ways of doing things that actually could really enhance student learning if we help them figure out how to use it in that way. If we just say, oh, we're afraid of it, they're going to use it for whatever they want. And they're not going to learn how to use it to think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think the calculator actually is a good example to translate what's happening. Um, because, yeah, even even my teachers weren't all that locked in on I have to I was we were allowed to use calculators in in our maths exams after a certain class um nobody was was fighting that anymore um and with that we came a step towards thinking and discussing about what is the actual skill that we want to teach pupils in that example in maths do we want them to stupidly quote unquote add numbers or subtract numbers, or do we actually want them to understand the underlying principles and be able to transfer those principles on certain situations? Yeah. Although the second is, I most of the time only encountered in theory, not so much in practice, but that is a different story. Um, And we have acknowledged the fact that new technology and Back in that time, the calculator was a new technology. 
can mm-hmm. actually support us and open us up for new ways of thinking, other ways of working, because we have the brain space to do so. We don't have to deal with the, the stupid quote-unquote um, addition of numbers because a computer can give me a result of a super complex calculation before I even thought about using math for that problem. And we acknowledge that we're okay with the computer taking our part in that or taking a part in that because who says it's our part? Um, and we can work together to create something. The computer with their part, we assume it's with our part in it. Yeah. Um, and I think chat GPT, once we come over that hurdle, will do exactly the same. At the same time, I totally agree. What are we opening our brain space for in that moment? If we give all the control, quote unquote, to chat GPT to do something and then just unreflectedly copy that. Um, so what are we setting up ourselves up to? Um, that's something that we'll have to see what is possible, what is potentially possible with that and how far we want to go with that. But that's not the AI driving us. That's us humans making the decision to let the AI drive. That's why I think robots won't rule the world because... Not because we're smarter, better, anything, but um, because we're approaching things from the human side. And, you know, how can we work with it? How can we? But not everybody is. And I think that's where the danger is. Yeah. Yeah, well, I do think on the one side, potentially, Robots could rule the world. I don't think they will get themselves there. We will hand them the steering wheel. Yes. On the other hand, what kind of stands against that is our our human capacity to ego and power. Do we really want to give that over? Even if AI could rule the world in a good way, way whatever good is um i'm not sure if we would hand it over if we had ever had the chance to so yeah i think technically or capability wise if we let ai take over the world if we hand it over the steering wheel and say okay we're going for optimization strict if then logic um yeah, AI could all robots, machines, AI computers could rule the world. I don't think we would hand them over that power because a lot of what we humans do still is too unreasonable and unlogical because of ego, because of power struggles, because of yeah. whatever, because of us humans being humans. <laughs> so, yeah. I think I would be surprised if there were actually humans who would 
agree to handing over power to computers, the, the full power. Because um, even if you look into, in the Web3 space, there's the, a big movement about DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations, which basically go with, here's a code to put rules around what we're doing and code will be strictly executed. So there's no trust in certain people needed to actually do or to actually keep to a contract that one is making. Um, and all those DAOs now bit by bit notice that there's still people involved in the system. So you have to deal with that and that you can't encode everything. If we continue down the rabbit hole of um, AI taking over the world, uh, in Boston, um, oh, and I can't remember the company, but in Boston, there is a company who has been working on transferring a human brain to a robot. <laughs> and I don't know that you can completely transfer a person to a robot but i think that that may start to cross the boundary if that was successful cross that boundary where you're saying you know i don't know that we would trust a robot well if the robot was a really respected world leader and is just had his brain transferred you know there might be a little more trust i don't know mm -hmm. There's a lot of sci-fi work around that, books, films. Yeah. That. yeah, yeah. It is an interesting, also a philosophical discussion because how much of us humans is actually sitting in our brain? Because yeah. um, how would you regulate hormones that do a lot? Like, well, if, we, if it comes down to it, I'm not a neurologist, so this will probably medically not be um, accurate. But if it comes down to it, what we call thinking basically is just electronical signals being exchanged in our brain. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those signals are influenced by hormones, for example. Or we're starting to do more and more research about the gut kind of being like a second brain. So if you just really take the brain, how much of us is really in that brain? That would also be an interesting um, research yeah. to see how that works. Yeah, you've got me on my geeky topics. So <laughs> to what? Geeking out? We never do that here. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it also to, to kind of find the the lane back into how we started because it also does touch on on growth again what is growth how much do we want to grow how much can we grow and because also especially in the fields of technology everything that can be done will be done at some point yeah um because somebody thinks it's a good idea to make that happen. 
when will we or will we ever reach that point where we can't make something happen anymore? Where we can't make something happen? Where we anymore. Where we can't pursue where we can't pursue dreams because I'm trying to understand the question better. Hmm. Because we've built a system and maybe it, it ties a lot more things into it than what I actually thought about when I asked that question. Because we've built a system that prevents us from growing. And I'm thinking, yeah. for example, about social media that we already touched on, where things are happening so fast that we can't take everything in, that we can't process everything anymore. Or that we already noticed that our attention span on average is decreasing incredibly fast. Um, so what are we preventing ourselves to make happen because our attention span is so low or because we're completely overloaded with information? Yeah. So that's just a, a thing that fell together for me. And that was also when you were talking about systems leading me to think about things like 1984 and, um, mm -hmm. you know, the double speak, the double speak that I've been hearing, the, um, the new vocabulary that's arising, that, um, you know, is language shrinking? Are there fewer words to describe things? Um, Oh, very interesting topic. Yeah. And then I was also thinking, you know, what parts of us are important to grow? Mm -hmm. I place such a, a high importance on self-awareness. Is that really as important as critical thinking? Is critical thinking as important as self-advocacy? Is self-advocacy as important as, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. is there a hierarchy? Are there things that we're willing as a, as a people to let a little bit uh, go in order to achieve in, or grow in other areas? I think my oh, my first impulse to answer that, to give an idea about an answer about that, is all of these are equally valuable and there's probably not necessarily an end to that list. Um, but some of them in some situations are more critical than others, mm. more important than others. Yeah. Um, and they... They're not, not always strictly separable. They sometimes weave into each other. They form something together that allows us to grow. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that would be, I think, my first. That, that was the first thing that immediately yeah. wanted to come out, I want to say. Although it is an interesting question. Um, if, we're, if we're talking about taking everything apart to research it and maybe reconstruct it in, for example, a robot, um, what does it actually consist of? Because mm. again, robots, they're... They, they they do have a goalkeeping system of themselves, right? It's like they need to receive uh, re, uh, achieve a certain result. They're optimized to do one thing. And in, in robots, in machines in general, that system is very much based on an if-then mm -hmm. algorithm. Yeah. Maybe with feedback loops. Oh, <laughs> the iterative process as a feedback loop. Yeah. Which then again raises the question, we, we tend to say this is an AI, a machine. What does it learn from us? What input are we giving us so it can learn? But what can we learn from how, how machines work? Uh, that's also an interesting Interesting side conversation. Yeah. Um, does a robot need self-awareness? Do we need a logical approach to goal setting? So that's always the... I don't think machines have to start thinking like humans. As much as I don't think humans have to start thinking like robots. There might be a certain overlap. But I like to see machines or AI, computer systems, whatever, as yet another brain at the conference table. We all have different ideas, backgrounds, um, education, we all bring different things to the table. And for me, computer systems are just, quote unquote, another brain at that table that can have a certain input from the way they think, from the way they were affected with information. I don't think it's the end all be all, computers say. And that's okay. I don't think it has to. Yeah. That, but in my concern, looping back to the so fast, so um, mm -hmm. is that uh, people will start to think it's the be all and end all mm -hmm. because it came from the computer. Right. And here's the thing with, with chat GPT, because some people might think it's the end all be all because it came out of their computer, but talking about students, why do they even feel the need to stop at an answer from ChatGPT? Why do you give them a homework? They go home, Google it or put it into ChatGPT, take the answer and give, give it to you back, one uh, like copied, unedited. Um, why is that? Might there be a thing like, I don't care. It's too hard. I don't know how else to approach it. Um, 
what's the what's the motivation behind copying it unedited? I have a student who would say, because I'm trying to just get it done as quickly as I can. Mm-hmm. So if if that's all that it means to the student, then we're back to the teacher choosing more meaningful work yeah. to do. I, I can see a huge increase in project-based learning. Mm-hmm. I totally see that coming out of this. If we don't try to fight the chat GPT too hard, uh, I could see it. And the ability to individualize instruction. You've got kids wanting to read different books. You type them in, get some questions with the answers, you know, or you get meaningful um, project-based learning activities, you know, at the tip of your finger, you know. You don't even have to have completely read the book before you assign the students the work to do, and then you can be reading it, you know. I, I can see teachers using it to be able to really individualize their students' education the way I think it should be. (laughs) I want it to be meaningful, gosh darn it, you know. I've got a group of math students who are telling me I want to know how to balance my bank account. I want to know, you know, how to deal with money and, and all of that. So I know it's a math class, but we are reading a personal finance book. <laughs> but I am individualizing the assignments based on their needs. One is very passionate about being able to count change back. So we're working on that piece, you know. Others have a bank account already, and they're looking at, you know, what would they do once they have a job and they're investing or things like that? Another one is scared to death of this title tax return. (laughs) And is afraid that when that students and adults, they won't know how to fill out a tax return. And so I'm taking the math skills that are necessary for those tasks and giving them to those students. Mm -hmm. And that's where the motivation comes. It's about stuff that they are invested in, that they're curious about or that they're worried about or that is really meaningful to them. Right. And to come full circle to the beginning, um, because I still like it very much what you said about the, the religious vibes to to instill the religious vibes to want to reach a goal which in the end is the motivation right the intrinsic motivation I want to learn something I want to collect information I want to think about it I want to deal with it the intrinsic motivation is mm-hmm. key. I like when we get to a full circle on these conversations, but we've touched so, so, so many other things on the way. Um, it shows how 
you can't just look at one thing and pick it out and just start talking about it and in five minutes you're done with it, but you have to. Well, I, I, I said that earlier, like take the time and dig into information, process the information, look at it from different angles. And uh, I really liked how we were doing that today. Yes, so, thank you. Thank you very much for being here, doing that with me, going through all the um, side tracks and paths that we discovered on the way. Um, and I think we've done a good job rowing on the broad scale. Up in LA. Um, if people now want to have an equally amazing conversation with you about teaching, about growth, about ChatGPT, maybe they're teachers and want to talk to you about ChatGPT. <laughs> How can they best reach you? How can they reach out to you? They can reach me by my email and my website is mypepllc.com. I will put that in the show notes for people so it's easily accessible. And uh, yeah, again, thank you very much for being here, for going through all of it with me. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I really did. I did too. Thank you. Uh, Talk to you soon, this time then in private, and uh, looking forward to continuing the conversation there. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for being a part of this conversation with My Future Skills. The show is hosted and produced by me, Saskia Listler. Music for the show is by Music Unlimited. If you want to find out more or hear previous episodes, you can go to conversationswithmyfutureskills.com. You can also download this episode on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the show, please rate and review it as it helps other listeners finding it. Hear you next time.